Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends. Episode 66 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. I'm Gary, and as usual, I'm here with Byron. How are you, Byron? Gary, I'm doing great. I uh, still have a little bit of a sore throat here, but uh, I'm here. Is your sore throat from being choked, or have you been sick? No, I'm not really sick. I just have sinus. My sinus uh, is going crazy, and then it... it we should have known. Byron's impossible to choke. <laughs> but I've been getting closer, because I've been listening to our last few episodes with the uh, Roy Marsh guillotine tips. So That's sooner or later, I'll be able to give Byron a sore throat. Gary, I don't know how many times you've guillotined me from, from guard, but you've guillotined me a ton from the mount. So Well, I'm going to have to go for try for guard. Your, your mount of guillotine <laughs> is, is, is very good. Anyway, we've got a great show today. We do. We have a very special guest, Rafael Lovato Jr., who's going to be on and talk about uh, his injury, talk about his MMA, talk about his, his safe jiu-jitsu uh, movement, and just talk about a lot of different yeah. stuff with us and he's he's not just doing it in may he's still going to be doing he's still going to the world he's still going to compete in adcc and that's what all us grapplers like to hear yeah so really good interview a lot of fun talking with him so i hope you guys i know you guys are going to enjoy this interview gary before we get started too deep in things i was talking with a buddy of mine a mutual friend of ours and he's he's a he's a blue belt now and he said the first for the first year he knew Gary, he thought Gary was like pretty terrible at jujitsu, because what Gary does is he lets everybody who's new like tap him out, like all the time, and and it, and it goes after that year, Gary Gary quit doing that to me, and I I never tap him out anymore. And he destroys me. So Gary, it's kind of funny the way you uh, you tricked him there. <laughs> <laughs> the art of deception. No, I'm always pretty easy on the new guys, and you know I let them work, I let them tap me out, and sometimes I don't think people realize that I'm being nice and think they really destroyed me. Yeah, but, I uh, think so. But then I slowly, as they start getting better, I'll start slowly ramping it up, and and I don't know. I, sometimes I think that might backfire on me, and because I've actually heard some people say, "Boy, that guy's horrible." <laughs> But he's well, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so at least they like me. Yeah. No, but it, it helps me too. I like to let people put me in some really bad positions, and sometimes I'll get out of stuff. Sometimes I'll let them finish just to help out their confidence and stuff of that sort. Yeah. That kind of we'll, we'll get to our article later. Kind of goes with kind of goes with our article of the week. But Gary, let's get on with our our quote of the week. This is from Andre Montero. So you know it's going to be good. Through the sports, our mission is to promote a better quality of life and add social value, education, morals, and create a better citizen, not only on the mats, but in life. Propagate values in our community is valuable for the future. Well said, Andre. Uh, it's not just about learning chokes and, and, and getting better at jiu-jitsu. It's about making better people that... What you learn on the mat is not just jiu-jitsu. It's, yeah. it's about life and it's about... You know, you're adding. He, he really didn't even say juice. He said through sports. Yeah. You know, through through any sport that it, that a kid is doing or an adult, you're gonna have ups and downs. You're gonna face competition and sometimes win, sometimes lose. Just like life. Just like life, man. Yep. 
And uh, and for anybody who doesn't know Andre, he just uh, opened a brand new academy there in New York City. So uh, definitely uh, check out uh, A Force uh, Andre's Academy there. Yeah, it, he's got it going on up there. And uh, and we're, we're we have been enough. lucky enough to uh, been a, be be able to train with Andre. So thank you, Andre. We appreciate you uh, sharing your knowledge with us, and and you've actually made us better citizens. Yeah, and he's and he's a perfect example of what he's talking about here. You know, yeah, definitely. He's, if, you, if you meet Andre, really nice guy. He's really in it to help you on and off the mat. You know, he's he's the perfect what you think of like a martial artist is is more than just about yeah yep, doing knee bars to people. Yep. All right, Gary, the article of the week is What is the etiquette for rolling with black belts? It's on jujitology.com. And definitely uh, check out that jujitology.com. There's a lot of a lot of good uh, little articles there too. I once this is the first time I'd seen it and so I checked out the home and checked everything out so it's a great place. But back to what is the etiquette for rolling with black belts and and i'll let byron talk this one since i'm not a black belt (laughs) (laughs) gary has just as much experience as i do so he just doesn't train in the gi on a regular basis gi what's that so um i would say this also qualifies for gary but um he he kind of his his philosophy was when he's rolling with somebody he wants to tap them out every time that that was his his big goal that he has whether he's a white belt rolling to blue belt or purple belt you know if they're especially if they're an b- upper belt he's going for for the kill and that's I mean which a lot our of interview of the like day is, yeah. is going for the submission you know so that's a big deal it's all about submission so but um, he's kind of had maybe a second guess on, on, on what he's doing there and maybe he should not be because sometimes he'll submit somebody who's better than him and he calls it lucky but like Sometimes I, Gary, me and you, we both play around a lot. It, it usually it won't take a, a white belt thirty seconds to pass my guard, and they'll be working their side control, and then they go mount and I escape, and then they, you know, whatever. Like there's a lot of movement, yeah. and, and this is encouraged because it really doesn't do me much good to, to hold guard and, and yeah, to, just, to just use the white belt and do like no, it's, it's, I'm gonna have fun with this round, yeah. and hopefully they're gonna they're, I'm gonna see what they're working on, and we're gonna try to tighten it up maybe. I don't. I'm not like quite like Gary, where I let them tap me out. But I've been tapped up by lower belts. If you get a good position, stuff happens. You yeah, know? especially on your back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You get in a bad position, stuff happens. It, yeah, there, it's gonna happen. So which, he wants to know: is it, is it rude? Is it is it? What's the etiquette etiquette of of rolling with upper belt? Should should a blue belt be trying to tap out the black belt, Gary? What do you think? You know, I I think you should. I. I, I don't necessarily just mean going out there and and muscling around and yeah. and being a bully, so to speak, you know, knee in the jaw, stuff like that. But I, I, I think that you should go out there and train safely, try to go for stuff, and if, if you catch something, take it. Yeah. You know, try to finish it. It's, my, my thing is... I'm gonna start. Let's say I'm rolling with a with a really high belt or something, or black belt. I, I'm gonna come out there very respectful and courteous. Yeah. I'm gonna roll really slow, let that person establish the pace, and then go from there. I I don't know. I, I have a lot of respect for the upper belts, for the black belts, and and I don't really want to get somebody upset. But I'm gonna let them start the pace. If it picks up, I'm gonna pick up. You know. Yeah. Equally, I'm gonna try to take stuff home i'm not gonna muscle anything i'm gonna try to get a i'm not gonna go for 
ankle locks. I'm yeah. not going to go for heel hooks. I'm going to be very respectful and courteous. To me, it's almost like it, it's more about the relationship. Like, I could say, hey, Gary, how would I make my wife not be mad at me today? Well, he has no idea what my wife is going to like or not I'd like. I'd say get flowers. Get flowers. That'd probably be a good plan. Yeah. Um, but it's more about your relationship you have with your instructor or the upper belt. And, and, and with, can you read what they want you to do um, or expect out of you? And I really, for me personally, I don't care. If you want to come at me and go 110 miles an hour. Like a wounded cougar? Much like a wounded cougar. I'm going to, I'll react to that in a way to either slow things down or to or to just see what you're going to do, I guess. But if I'd rather you go fast than, than you get like side control or something and just smash in my face for three minutes. I probably won't let you get side control that easily next time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you're going to stay away from side control. So, or, you know, it's you're going to enforce top game. Yeah, yeah. And just understand that sometimes it's good to it's good to go hard, and sometimes it's good to. A lot of times we'll ask, "What are you working on today?" Yeah. And if they say nothing, that's fine. That's that's the most common answer. If they say mount. Guess who's going to hit a lot of mount time today? Yeah. The, whatever belt that white belt's going to end up in mount pretty quick, and I'm going to see what they're going to do. That's fine. So I think it depends on the instru- some instructors may not do that, and that's fine yeah. too. Yeah, and I, I like what you said. That that was a good point that. You know, you don't know my wife. You don't know, you know, it depends on that relationship, relationship you have with that instructor. A lot of times it may be at a seminar or visiting black belt that you don't really know. And there, you know, you might want to, you know, as you're shaking hands, just, just you know, start out really slow and let yeah. that person dictate the pace. Because you're probably not going to have a great conversation beforehand since you don't really know each other. Yeah, but. typically, typically like with a guest, that's a good way to, to do this, I guess, if you don't know somebody, is... Start off kind of, you know, the handshake, fist bump, and then protect Worst case yourself. scenario, yeah. Worst case scenario, you're going to get tapped out quick and forcefully, and then you kind of know where it's at. <laughs> but most black belts aren't going to be like but, that. But would you rather get tapped out quickly or be seen as kind of an a-hole who I'd rather get tapped somebody? out quickly. Yeah. So so come in there and, and, and feel each other out a little bit. Um, kind of, for, for me, if I don't know... Uh, We've had we've had a brown belt visiting for a couple of weeks here, and it was like he's very good. But the first round that we had started off with the first minute like kind of slow pace, and by the end of the five minutes, we're we're going pretty hard, and it was fun. But if he never would have picked it up, and I never picked it, like that would have been that would have been the way we would have rolled. Yeah. So which is still good, even if you are rolling slow. It's yeah. To, to depend on where where everybody wants to go, and that's the cool thing about this sport. It's sometimes you go hard, sometimes you go slow, sometimes in between. It's really what you feel like at that moment. I would say for, for your own learning development, going 100, 100 miles an hour against upper belts probably isn't the best thing to do all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's good to show your A game, it's what you do, but if you slow down, they'll slow down, they'll yeah. let you work some stuff maybe. Well, that's what I liked about the article. You know, the guy who was uh, super aggressive and wanted to tap everybody got hurt. And while he was hurting and healing, he really had to slow down in his grappling. And, and it seems like at that point he started questioning, you know, did he do everything right before? And and this guy's going to be a great jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. He's, he's already, you know, got that intensity. Now he's, you know, thinking through stuff. I mean, what a great mind. Yeah. Some of, you know, I think back, some of my favorite roles when I was a white belt was with some, somebody who was way better than me. Yeah. You know, that was, it was amazing. You know, get schooled by like Jason Bircher or Eric Williams like this is cool and I was I was trying 100% yeah but I was a dumb white belt yeah and we they were, were so terrible were even if we tried 110% nothing happened yeah but, except tapped quick yeah I mean that but those I, I I look back at those and those were fun for me 
and and I learned a lot about jujitsu. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't want to tell myself as the white belt, hey, you know, don't go, you know, back down a little bit. Show the yeah. guy too much, res- yeah. you know, show him respect. No, they they're okay. But what are your favorite roles today? Are they the same way? Because I can think of like my favorite roles are some really technical guys, and we get together and we roll ninety percent and just keep going and really flowing. Those are my favorite roles. Yeah. I, I like to. My favorite role would be like get side control on Gary, and then don't, and then try to hold that crap for like as long as I possibly can until and I'm it's tired. <laughs> till I'm tired, till I break. <laughs> no, it's not my fault. I can't finish my attack. He keeps in. He's so tight with with his arms and everything. Anyway, but it, I think it's more about less about the belt and more about the relationship with the person who's on the mat with you. Um, whether it be anybody, should you be going the hard against the different white belts? I mean see what the person wants and then also what you want and try to find the middle ground there. You know, some guys, some white belts, I go hard every time and they love it. And I can tell they do. I mean, they're laughing and having a good time and, you know, getting smoked. But in some white belts, I haven't tapped out for, you know, 30 minutes of mat time, I'm sure. Because I see Byron going really hard in that kid's white belt class. He's really going hard on some of those guys. Sometimes they throw two at a time, you know. It's like, you got to deal with that. Those guys will bite you. Bite you. <laughs> Anyway, check out the article. It's on uh, com. And if you're a black belt, at the bottom there, he's got a little uh, uh, place where you can uh, send him an email. He he wants to know, and if you have a, you know, your little answer to the question. And uh, uh, I think that's pretty neat. Yep, a lot of great articles on the on that website. We'll hope to get more from him in the future. Guys, if you want to get a little bit more of the BJJ Brick podcast, we've got a couple audiobooks available for download for free. Uh, the way to get those would be go to the uh, our website, which is bjjbrick.com, or go to our Facebook page. There's a little place you can put your name and email address. And every Tuesday, we send out an email with uh, the show notes from the podcast. At the very bottom is a little link to a Dropbox folder, and that will give you uh, access to some content that's not available elsewhere. Hey. Did you make a mistake? Did you say free? I did say free. You're giving that away for free? <laughs> Absolutely, Gary. One of them is called Tilt. It's how to find balance in your BJJ game. That's I like that name. A little, yeah. A little, a little play, play on words. Yeah. Another one is how to compete in a BJJ tournament even if you are busy. And the third audiobook we have for the newsletter subscribers is called Breaking Your Limits. It helps you get past any barriers you might have on or off the mat. I hope to put more stuff in there as time goes. But uh, but it's free, so definitely check it out. Yeah, just download them to your phone or your computer and check them out. It should be easy. Gary, we've got a tip here from our friend Roy Marsh, who has a seminar online uh, available for download. It's $20. Uh, it's about guillotines. So let's go ahead and play that tip. So I think people uh, misunderstand kind of the strength of the guillotine. Um, something Carlos Lemos told me once, which is you have to understand the hierarchy of body strength. Arms are weaker than legs. Legs is weaker than back. If I grab a guillotine and I'm just pulling with my arms, I'm not using my maximum power. So the way a guillotine works for me is I put a bar under his neck, which is my wrist, and then my back, my lat, basically drives his head down so that he's looking at his chest. I'm not pulling up so much. I mean, I'm pulling up, but not so much as I am forcing him to look back at himself, pushing his head down around my wrist. It's going to be a much more powerful guillotine, either from standing or from the guard, than just pulling. This is why you'll see people pull, and the head will either pop out, or they'll come up on their toes and get lifted and drawn. 
So my power comes from the fact that I'm basically, in essence, bridging into him and pointing my choking elbow at his chest, making him look back at himself. That's where the power of the choke comes from, because now it's my back forcing the choke and not my arms. That's the power of the guillotine. Yeah, the hierarchy of body strength. You know, you're using your 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 back to basically force that head down into, as he says, the bar, which is his arm. Much more powerful guillotine. Yep, you're not just lifting up with your arms. That's, those aren't, you know, some guys are have big arms, but those aren't the big muscles in your body you want yeah. to use. Yep, so. unless you have a really skinny back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Roy's given us some great tips. Yeah. Here. So definitely, uh, you know, using the stronger muscles to make the guillotine that much more effective. Yep, you can find uh, the link to where he's has a seminar posted there uh, for download on the on the show notes or on the website. So you can check it out, and if it looks like something that will help you out, uh, go ahead and download it there. It'll, it'll help him out. Well, Gary, without much further ado, what should we do? I think we should get on to our interview with uh, Rafi Lovato Jr. All right. I'm very excited for this. So here we go. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. When he does a sweep, the mat actually gets a little cleaner. In a friendly game of basketball, he once scored two points for a takedown. If he invites some of the BJJ class, they actually show up. One of his cauliflower ears was eaten by a vegetarian. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Go for the submission, my friends. Just to let you know, this interview did take place on January 1st. So when he's talking about how he's healing and how he's doing, he's talking about how he was on January 1st. All right, my friends, I'm happy to introduce Rafael Lovato Jr. to the BJJ Brick Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Good. I'm happy to have you on here. Um, I'm sure uh, we're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff today. You got your your, your podcast, the uh, Save Jiu-Jitsu podcast that you have and, and your initiative with that. And and uh, first and foremost, I got to know, how are you doing as far as your health and your injury? Um, I'm doing really well. Um, healing fast. Um, I'm like seven weeks out from surgery now, so coming up on nearly two months um, of you know recovery since my surgery. Um, I have I have pretty much 100% range of motion back right now. Um, so that is really, you know, really good. Um, my doctors say I'm doing, you know, really well. My therapist um, is is really amazed at how fast I'm I'm healing. So um, all that's great. I still have a good, you know, two more months um, to go. Maybe maybe a little longer, maybe a little less. Hard to say for sure. You know, initially they were saying four to six months total. So of course I'm thinking four months. I'm going towards the the lower end, um, but hopefully I can be. Um, you know, training at least lightly, very lightly and carefully, um, sometime within the next month and then, um, and then start to turn it up in February on into March. And, uh, my, my goal, my plan is, uh, just to jump, um, right back into the worlds. Um, you know, if I can be healthy and uh, strong enough to train hard in March, that'll give me, you know, about two months to get ready. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, as long as I don't miss the worlds, then, I'm, I'm happy. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, getting hurt at the time that I did get hurt, 
you know, if you're going to get hurt, that's the best time, you know, during the, the, the holidays and everything else, the beginning of the year, so I can still come back strong and have a good, you know, full year of competition um, this year in 2015. So um, I'm staying positive. Everything's going well. Just just ready to, to get back after it, man. I'm going to be super, super motivated. So on that end of things, you know, it could have well, I believe it was um, a blessing in disguise. Yeah, that's a great attitude to have as, as far as something bad like that happening to you. It's a, you know, if it's going to happen, it's happened at that time, and you're going to take it for what it's worth. You know, I'm reminded uh, we recently did an interview with uh, Coach John Kavanaugh from uh, Straight Blast Gym in Ireland, who's got a bunch of people in the UFC, and he he mentioned that when somebody gets hurt and they come back, it's it's a weird phenomenon that they that they come back with like a cleaner crisper game and like maybe their mind is digesting what's happening or or you know kind of filtering out what works and what doesn't work and that little bit of a break away from uh from actually being on the mat and training every day so hard um let your mind kind of catch up to what your your body wants to do i don't know it, it was an interesting uh, idea he had yeah yeah you know I've, I've experienced that before it's been a long time since i've been hurt my last injury that kept me out like this or the only other injury I've ever had that kept me out like this um, was in 2008. Um, it was a, a, an LCL sprain. Um, I had to, you know, I didn't have to have surgery, but I had to uh, walk in crutches and, and do therapy and all that. It was a, around four to six months as well um, of, a, of a recovery. But, um, but you know, I, I, I uh, felt really good coming back and, and, you know, I've pretty much been going nonstop um, ever since that injury, you know, these last six years from competing all the way until like November and then starting again in January or February. So I've, uh, I've kept up, kept up a pretty crazy routine over the last six years of, you know, training twice a day and, and, you know, only maybe ha- having a few weeks where I wasn't training hard for some sort of event. And so, you know, on that end of things, I, I looking back and, and, you know, uh, taking this time to, to really heal and, and put my energy and focus into other areas of my life and, and, uh, just kind of getting a different perspective on things. Cause you know, I, I usually live, my life is a lot like a nonstop training camp, you know, I'm like <laughs> constantly getting ready for the next event. And so there's always this, this thing that's on the top of my mind, you know, every day and not having that right now is, is, you know, a good thing. Um, getting to put my energy into some other areas and, um, and, you know, I, it, I know that when I come back, I'm just going to be really motivated and refreshed and my body's going to be, um, feeling a way that, that it's never felt before because I've just been going and going and going. So, um, I think it's going to be a great year for me. Yes, I'm. I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to do this year as well. You, you are known as uh, America's most accomplished uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu athlete, um, and with that, you've get quite an ability to speak to the the community. And you've you've chosen to to voice your opinion about um, the way that the sport is headed in the future. I guess where it is right now. I guess, but um, you know, your Save uh, Jiu-Jitsu podcast. Tell us uh, a little bit about what you're what you're doing with that. Well, um, you know, I started that earlier last year now, I guess I'd say it's January 1st. So, um, (laughs) earlier last year, right after the, the Pan Ams, um, you know, and, and basically like, you know, I've, I've, I've been a black belt now for, you know, over 10 years and I've seen, um, you know, 
ton of evolution um, in the sport, you know, um, the, from the techniques and the games that, that people play. And, um, and you know, over the last few years, I would say that there's been some, some pretty big ups and downs as far as, um, you know, at the end of a big tournament weekend like the Worlds or Pan Ams, looking back, a lot of people might feel like, yeah, you know, uh, that wasn't very fun to watch. You know, that wasn't that wasn't like it used to be. Or, you know, um, you get so excited for for some of these big matchups that that you kind of dream about, and um, and then you you know you're watching it, and you know you just you see two guys just kind of like wanting to barely win, you know, and just really play the rules and play the the game, you know, uh, of just being you know, good enough or better, just barely enough better than the other guy within a certain amount of time. And, um, and, you know, of course, stalling has been around for forever. You know, there's always been stalling, but I just felt like, uh, the mindset and, you know, the mentality of a lot of the competitors has really fallen into that maybe because they felt like, um, you know, other people were going to do it to them. So they have to, you know, do it better than them, you know, um, you know, or that's like the only way they can win. Uh, you know, they just want to play safe. They feel pressure or whatever it may be, um, to cause someone to want to go out and, you know, uh, just really hold and, and take away the clock and use the advantages and all that sort of stuff to win. And, you know, so I just thought, man, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I got to a point where I was, uh, you know, jujitsu is my my love. It's my passion, and you know, I just kind of got a little sad uh, from some of the things that I saw and watching. You know, um, the the younger generation of people. You know, the the next generation of black belts. You know, seeing these guys at at blue, purple, brown belt. You know, um, they're looking up to people fighting this way, and so it's like. You know, it, and it makes me think and wonder what else is going to be coming. You know, is this is this how it's just going to be? You know, and uh, and so I felt like it was important for me to to say something and kind of hopefully inspire some people and um, give them you know something to think about, give them a different perspective, and and hopefully uh, also help the you know help push um, other events to to come out with different rule sets. Or have, you know, someone like the IBJJF, um, listen in and hear and, and want to, you know, make some rules changes to their events and, and help make it to where it's, you know, um, more exciting for the fans and people are pushing the action, um, and, and really just people are opening up their games and really, you know, going for it. Um, and on that end of things, I think, you know, not only is it better for the sport and better for everyone watching, but I think it would help the athletes, you know, be able to learn more from their competition experience and gain more, you know, out of it and um, and be able to get better. You know, if you go out there and you're so um, afraid of losing, you know, that you play not to lose instead of to really win and you don't open up your game that much, you don't take the risk, you don't, you know, uh, put it all out there then you're not going to learn that much, you know, walking off that mat, you know, um, you're not going to have the, 
the same amount of information and, and tools, uh, win or lose, to, to, to go back home and say, okay, here's what I need to work on. Here's here's what happened out there, and, and this is you know what I need to to be to be focusing on in my training so I can get better and not let it happen again. You know, I see some people like win tournaments winning every match by an advantage you know and hardly doing anything and it's like man what did you really learn you know what 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 happened you know what what uh, you know what can you gain from that and uh you know so like i we've talked a lot of, I've, I've done like five episodes um <clears throat> you know i, I want to be able to do at least one a month i i just uh it's hard to juggle you know so many things that i have going on but um we did five uh, from like April, you know, to the end of last year, we did five episodes and, and a lot of them got a lot of great feedback and, and, uh, people sharing the, the podcast and stuff like that and talking about it. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's helping to get the word out there and I'm going to keep it up and try to do a lot more, um, going into this year. Um, but, uh, you know, we talk about a lot of things, not just trying to change the rules or, or stuff like that, but, you know, um, uh, the people that I've had on, I've had Sean Gihibeto on there, Bali Ostima, um, Jeff Glover, other, you know, really experienced black belts, and they share just a lot of good information um, for people, you know, for students to to uh, uh, take and, and help them with their training and their jiu-jitsu journey. So, you know, there's good good information on there, but um, really my whole goal with it was just to inspire people, was just yeah. to, to make people fight, you know, more inspired. I like you, you have uh, like a two prong approach to the to the situation. One of it is to help change the culture, like to get students motivated to to finish their matches and to and to push themselves and not just hang out there and and, and try to eke out a victory. And the second approach is to maybe uh, help inspire maybe some rule changes. So I, no matter what, I, I, even if you never change a rule. You've inspired countless people who are training differently and, and, and really working hard to, you know, like you say, like go for the submission. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. You know, that's that's really what it's all about. And, um, you know, it's easy to get lost in all the, the new games and everything that pops up and, you know, the new tricky stuff. And, and you know, that – I'm not against that. Like I, I think, you know um, – you know this this circle of the evolution that we're in. You know what what the the phase that we're in right now. Um, you know, sure maybe it's kind of slowed down some of the action on some end of things, but um, hopefully you know it's just a phase that now we're going to come to come out of this and people can figure out what's effective and what works and and hopefully have a. A, uh, a different mindset with taking what 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 they've seen and what's happening and say okay um you know what what out of this is, is valuable what can i use to you know um as far as effective jujitsu but also remain true to the the essence of the art and and um you know, not not going too far away from what it's all about from from getting dominant position and finishing somebody so that that being said, if if the you know, that's like the mental side of it, you know, what your goal would be, but no matter what, people are going to play to the rules. Yes. That's that's how sports that's how sports are. That's why rules a lot of rules are made to, to change the way people play. What rule change do you see that would be uh, pretty effective in, in helping people be a little well, bit the, more exciting? The number one that I would number one thing that I would do um, is get rid of advantages. 
uh, 100%. That's what I've already been talking about a lot. Um, myself and some of the other, you know, uh, top competitors that have a strong voice. Um, there's several guys that are right there with me, agree with me 100%. We would all like to see advantages just taken away. Um, you know, to me, they really don't make sense. You know, I mean, I know why they're there, so, you know, so that way if their score is tied, they don't have to make a decision. It's, you know, it can easily see that there's a winner but it's not so easy you know um basically now people only well not, i don't want to say all people for sure there's there's finishers out there I'm, I'm not putting everyone in this category but you see a lot of times you know especially in uh, in the, the 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 very competitive matches the matches like in the semifinals or finals you see how much the advantages affect the way that people play, how much they are thinking about advantage. They have to score those advantages and, and, uh, and basically it, you know, if you get an advantage, then you're ahead. And so then they start to not do much anymore and want to hold and, and keep that advantage and win with that advantage. And so the matches stay close, you know, the matches stay close because, you know, they have an advantage and that's like their point, you know, that, you know, so they're going to hold on to that and want to win with that. Well, then it they're not even scoring points. They're only scoring advantages. So if the other guy happens to do something and get an advantage, well, then it's, it's tied again. So you still see a lot of decisions even with, you know, advantages being in the game. It's not like they just magically got rid of all yeah. decisions. You know, there's still a lot of decisions um, that, that take place. And the matches are way less exciting, you know, because they're not even scoring points. So And... Uh, and so, you know, I think if 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 you got rid of advantages, um, people would open up more. They're going to work to score, you know, the points. And you know, at the end, if, if matches are still tied, then you know, I think you know the referees that have been doing this for years, you know, they, they can still have uh, you know an a good solid idea of okay, you know. Yes, it's two to two, but this guy, you know, he had an armbar attempt. He made the guy turtle. You know what I mean? All the stuff that would be advantages. You know, they could still put that into their decision making process to, to to make a winner. Or we could do cool things like have overtimes. Yeah. You know, for finals. I mean, there's so many, so many different ideas. But uh, but if it doesn't change, it's not it's not gonna you know people aren't gonna change the way they play, and it's not gonna look much different. And if it doesn't look better, then it's not gonna get the mainstream media and everything else involved, you know. And that's one thing I give a lot of props to Meta Morris about is uh, you know, they're making it a show, they're making it an event, and you know um, the they're. They're going back to the essence of jiu-jitsu and the submission and the longer time. And, and uh, you know, that's something that is getting, a, you know, a lot of media attention and, and can help the sport greatly um, get the uh, get the uh, attention that it deserves and and help bring the, you know, the, the money, you know, to help bring the, the bigger sponsors and, and the bigger businesses um, into jiu-jitsu, you know, which, which is just a good thing. So... You know, I, this is after competing for so long and, and being involved in you know in jiu-jitsu for so long, seeing so much. You know, this is stuff that I'm very passionate about, yeah. and I'd I'd like to you know see our sport you know get the respect and and get to the level that it deserves to be. What is the easiest way to earn an advantage point? A near sweep. A near sweep. So a near um, sweep. 
so no no amount of advantages equals a point, right? No. So no amount. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. So what would it be like? I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to think of different ways to to uh, clearly. Okay, advantages they brought those on to get rid of t- like a, a referee's decision, get rid of the tie, and that that's not working. We we still have. Uh, matches that end in, in ties, and and ultimately it, it might even grind matches down to be to where you don't have to actually earn a point. So it's even slower and 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 less. Right. There's a lot less action because you don't have to do a full thing to earn a point. But if you know you see some guys that will have you know like you're talking about will have that strategy, pull guard, get themselves an advantage, and then they might win right with that. You know that I mean that could be game over if the guy on top can't manage to to actually earn a point. Exactly. Um, well, see, the, the, this is this is how it's it's going because here's the deal. Okay, uh, a near sweep is the, like the most evolution that you see in jujitsu is from the guard. All right, there's always new guard games. There's always new grips and new angles and, and ways to sweep and you know basically sweep. I mean, you see some some evolution of the guard for submissions, but not near the same as what it is for sweeps all right there's always tons of new ways to sweep people coming out you know but there's not always a whole bunch of new triangles and arm bars and and chokes and stuff from from the guard that, that you see so most of the evolution from the in jiu-jitsu is from the guard and most of that involves new sweeps and ways of sweeping people you know that's where the 50 50 came from this is you know it's almost a you know, uh, like it's a great way to hold someone, take away the clock. You're not going to be in so much danger of getting your guard pass because they're stuck. You're literally in a 50 50 position. I mean, both guys have the same thing. You can knock someone back. You know, a blue belt could sweep a world champion black belt from 50 50. You know, you could knock the guy backwards, come up and get two points, or just knock him down enough, barely come up and fall back and get an advantage, hold that 50-50 the rest <laughs> of the match, and he's going to win, you know? That's why I feel like, you know, uh, it's hard. It's hard to pass these some of these guys' guards, you know? It's hard. It takes it takes a long time, and, and it's, it's hard. And so most people would rather try to win from their guard, so that's why you get two guys running out there and you see them double guard pull now. I remember when you would never see a double guard pool, you know, like that just didn't exist, you know, but now so much evolution from the guard. Most people are guard players, so they want to run out and get their guard right away and basically, you know, look for the sweep. And, you know, if they can't get the two, that's fine. They'll take the advantage and just not let the guy pass, you know, hold on, get some grips and, and went off those advantages, and that's why you see two guys running out and both pulling guard at the same time. Um, they they did a better job of stopping that this year, but uh, you know it's it still exists. You know, and I think the one thing that would make the hugest difference not like okay, we can't like instead of outlawing the double guard pool or you know just making it more and more and more and more complicated. You know, it's so complicated now. Like I remember when I used to feel like. I knew the rules in and out. Yeah. People people used to ask me about, okay, what's the rules? Who's winning? What's the score? And I could always tell them. Nowadays, it's it's, you know, I mean, I think there's many of the head refs that don't even really know. I mean, they got to talk to each other all the time. Like yeah. they don't even they don't even know. You know, it's so complicated. And so, if you just got rid of advantages, I think that would take away so much of the complication and change 
you know, just that one change would, would, would help so much push it in the right direction. You know, I, I think back to, to other sports and, and how it's, it's important for sports to change their rules to evolve and to, and to get more exciting and to either that or they, they don't go anywhere. And, and I did a little research. Basketball, in, in 1950, they had the, 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 the uh, Pistons and Lakers. The, the big, big final was 19 to 18. That was the score. And it was a game of stalling. It was a game of if you had the lead in the last quarter, you were going to win. You could hold the ball. There wasn't any really contact allowed. And that that was it was game over. And then they brought in the shot clock. You had 24 seconds to get rid of the ball to shoot it. And uh it, it you know, it wasn't it was a few years later the scores were uh, 93 points was like an average score in a game. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just that's a small rule change, but it encouraged tons of, of of action and same thing like in football it before 1906 there was no forward pass and so it was a game of like brute strength and, and just like tons of injuries and now you could pass the ball forward and like that's got speed it's got skill and a lot more strategy like that's a pretty big rule change but it's important for for sports to look at themselves and and say what could we do differently? What what can we what could we change this year and see if that affects the way people are going to play? And of course, give the athletes time to adjust and, and be ready for the rule change. You know, I, I, sometimes I think about different rules and stuff. But how would you feel if uh, if a guard puller uh, got like a negative one point for pulling guard, just like one time in the match? You could pull guard twice or whatever. You pull guard one time, negative one point, and that puts you as a guard player in a position where you have to do something with your guard. You have to get a submission or you have to get an actual sweep in order to even win the match. Yeah. You know, it. like, that could be a possibility. But, you know, on the other hand, that's, um, you know, like, I don't want to go against jiu-jitsu. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? the guard and, is, and, is a fundamental. Yeah, because then the problem is, you know, maybe you have a really badass guard and, you know, you believe in it and you pull – but now the other guy is is winning, yeah. And so he can he can hold on, and you lose because you pulled, and maybe you were super aggressive and active from your back. You know what I mean? If someone has a great triangle, then they should be able to pull guard and go for the submission there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I think they just need real points. You know, just real points only. That way, no one's gonna you know halfway sweep somebody and then just stay on their back. You know what I mean? They they gotta take the full sweep they gotta get up and try to pass yeah. you know um a dramatic thing has to happen in the match you earn your points yeah. you get your sweep you pass the guard you get mount it's something something that's important yeah yeah exactly and and you know there's there's i think uh definitely like you know uh, over the past year you know year and a half like people have noticed this in you know five grappling they don't have advantages um and, uh, you know, there's some new, uh, events starting to come out. I, I've seen, uh, I think Keegan Machado, um, is, is behind an event. They're going to have their, their first one coming up in a couple weeks, um, in January. I think it's like the 10th or something like that. But they're giving like, uh, you know, money for, um, a, like a prize money, pretty good prize. And, and, uh, they don't have advantages, I believe. And they have, uh, a couple other things that they're doing, you know, um, you know, everyone is trying. You know, people are trying now. Eddie Bravo has a show. You know, you got Metamorphosis. Like, people are throwing out different rules and and different, uh, you know, different 
settings, um, you know, to to, to promote a, a more entertaining style of jujitsu. And so, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, hopefully, you know, uh, one of these events, you know, will find something that's really working well, and and it can hopefully, you know, the IBJJF will see it, and, and they can and they can make some changes to the you know to the to the most traditional events, you know, to the oldest jujitsu events, um, the most important ones. And um, and we could see you know a different a different looking worlds um, you know I, I thought actually I thought last year's worlds the pan last year's pan was was very disappointing uh, it, it it did not look good but I thought the worlds last year was one of the best worlds um, maybe the best worlds that I had seen in the last maybe four or five years um, so I, you know it's up and down um, you know it right now it's it's mostly in the hands of the athletes because the rules aren't changing, you know? So, you know, you got your guys like Bushesha and Hudolfo and, um, you know, some of the new school guys like Felipe Pena. I think he has a nice game, you know, some other guys that, that, uh, are showing really beautiful jujitsu from everywhere and they're going for the sub and, and it's awesome. But, you know, uh, it's 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 still. I mean, until the rules change, until they, they make some differences, it, you know, it's still going to be up and down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you almost feel the pressure of it. You know, like when I'm out there, I I don't I don't think about advantages. You know, half the time I don't know what the advantage score is. I'm just paying attention to you know more of the points, but. Um, but you know, you, you got to think about it. Like I'm, I have to worry. I have to, I have to score some advantages. You know, yeah. Like, you know, so even the guys that want to open up and go, you know, they still have to make sure that they're putting their advantages and points on the board just in case. You know what I mean? Because um, you never know when someone's going to want to just throw you in fifty-fifty and hold you for the rest of the five, six, eight, ten minutes, maybe the whole match. You know, and so if you didn't already put some points on the board you could get stalled out and, and, and lose, you know? So until there's a real rules change, I think it's still going to just be kind of up and down. Sometimes it's going to look better than others. Yeah. It'll be less consistent as far as what we get as a, like a product. Right. Hello everybody. This is John Cavan, a head coach of straight blast Jim Ireland. And you're listening to the BJJ brick podcast. Supposed to be you in the white gear or the black gear? I'm the guy on top. Is the nose an accurate representation? It's not quite that big, but uh, <laughs> I, I got I got a big nose, man. So it's it, a proud nose. <laughs> it's it's uh, every now and then, you know, I'll be training and somebody will go, "Is that you from the podcast?" And I go, "I'll say yeah." And I go, "How, how do you how do you know?" You know, maybe somebody told me, like, "Ah, I saw you on the on, on the logo." I'm like, damn it. <laughs> What would you say to like a student who is is getting ready to compete and uh, is in their training and, and learning about the rules and things like that? And they're they're really being taught, you know. Of course, they're being taught rules and submissions, but they're also being taught uh, how to earn an advantage. You know, that's a, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to compete, you got to, and you're going to compete in, in that rules setting, you know, then then you you got to. You know, you know, you have to know a little bit of, yeah. of that game. You know, you got to know what could happen to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and and that and that's just that's kind of sad. Like to have to t- 
talk about that and go over that and well i don't want to i don't want to bring it down you know you're <laughs> you you've <laughs> no, got no, just, you, you know you're just, injured you have a great attitude you're you're you're, you're sound like you're highly motivated i don't want to have to make you think about students being taught about how to earn advantages all over the country or all yeah, over the world yeah you know i mean <laughs> like you know whenever i take a big team to to a tournament you know um if it's one of the ibjjf tournaments uh you know like the Houston Open or the Dallas Open, those are ones that we that we hit um, every year because those are the closest ones to us here in Oklahoma. And you know the guy, the guys that I have that go to the Pan Ams and the Worlds, they already know, they've seen it, they've dealt with it, and they've they have the experience. But you know, when I have more of my recreational guys that are just training for fun and they want to jump in and compete, you know, and then the week of the tournament, you know, I'm always going over taking questions and talking about strategy and I have to I have to tell everyone okay guys look here's the advantages here's how it works here's how you might end up losing because of it if you're not prepared you know what I mean and I have to yeah explain it all and and it sucks it's it'd be so much cooler to just be like hey go out there and you you should you know if you feel like you won then you probably won, you know? Yeah. Instead, I have to explain it all the different ways where you might feel that you should win, but you could actually lose. So, um, that, that sucks. You know what I mean? Like it should just be, Hey, if I go out there and I'm trying subs and I'm on this guy and I'm doing my thing, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm implementing my game. I should win, you know, but, um, it doesn't always, it doesn't always go that way. What what tournament format do you have that you prefer for your students? I like five. I like the five grappling because um, there is no advantages. Yeah. I, I just don't like advantages, honestly. I just I, I I think they have more fun when they're competing, um, and there's no advantages to you know in their back of their mind. Um, so that's cool um, for me personally. Um, I love Metamoris. Um, you know just for so many reasons of it uh you know the the actual like professionalism of it and um, how it's a show and and you know the energy of it feels really good um but then also of course i love a longer time limit i love that there is no points and and you know um it's just more pure so you know i i, I have fun in a lot of things though you know like I mean, I, I love to compete in all sorts of events, ADCC. I've pretty much done every, you know, I've competed no time limit matches. I've done, you know, I was in the Budo Challenge, ADCC. I've done, I did so many, you know, special rules type events. Yeah. And so I have, I have fun mixing it up in everything. And I think that's really what it's all about, you know, so you can get different challenges and, and you, you know, your, your jiu-jitsu, you, you find it its effectiveness, you know, um, not just how it works in one, in one setting, you know, with, with, uh, certain points or, or advantages being involved, you know, um, to, in order to find, you know, that, that real jujitsu that's most effective for your, your style and your body, you know, it needs to be tested in, in all different, in all different, uh, rule settings or yeah. lack of rules, you know, that's why I, I always recommend, for people in their training to, to change the way they train, you know, mix it up. Don't always do your standard six, seven minute rounds, you know, where you're thinking about points and stuff like that in your mind and all that, like go no time limit. Like how many people, 
you know, train a no time limit round at least once a week, you know, um, it's probably pretty rare. And, um, and you know, that's what I grew up training. That's how I grew up training was always no time limit. Like we never even had a clock. It was just train until you got a submission. Yeah. And then, and then you would look around and see if there's someone else that, you know, and get a, grab a new partner. You know what I mean? You pretty much didn't stop training with someone until there was a a submission or you're just like, you know, it's been 40 minutes. I want to train with someone else. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. like that, that to me is, you know, when it's like the real jujitsu is going on. You yeah. know what I mean? When you're not saying to yourself, okay, it's just one more minute. I'm going to hold here, you know? Yeah. It seems like some days you need to have the, the timer break or something like that in order to have it like, well, this is crazy. But anymore, people have cell phones and there's always a timer that people are able to pull out. But it's... I go no time limit match with a guy or a, another practitioner that's that's competitive with you, and then and see like for me, I don't want to quit. I don't care if I get tapped out or not. But like you know, twenty five thirty minutes into it, I don't want to just like be tired and be done. I and that's the same as my as my training partner. It, he's going to keep pushing, keep pushing, and if he feels like if I feel like he's kind of tired and, and and giving in on me. I know he's not happy with what he's doing either, so that's a, that's a different feel to 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 jitsu than than most I think people who just do the five minutes get because you know that you know the time will save you if you're going to kind of hold out for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Whenever whenever I see Solo and Shanji, you know, and we, um, you know, every other month or every few months or so, we always see each other. We get on the mat, whether they're coming here or I'm I'm seeing them out there in California, and um, you know. I mean, I'll tell you, whenever we train, like, unless it's, oh, you know, like, world's camp and we're, we're all getting ready for a tournament, if we just get on the mat together and train for the sake of training, there is never a clock. Never. We never train with a clock. We, uh, you know, we, we, we shake hands and we go. We just roll. Um, you know, because, man, it, it might be 15 minutes before something major happens, you know what I mean? It's, it's hard to pass, um, pass someone's guard, you know, it's, it's hard, <laughs> it's hard, it's hard to, you know, to just, it's, it's, it's a chess game, you know? So when you, when you're talking on this level, like no one's just going to make an easy, a, a quick mistake, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it takes time. And so if we only train 10 minute rounds or less, we probably, it's just going to be either me trying to pass his guard the whole time or him trying to pass my guard the whole time. And nothing happened, you know, someone, it needs to go longer, you know, so then there's more, there's more information, you know, we'll have our 40 minute rolls and we've rolled an hour straight before, um, we've had some amazing rolls, you know, like that just were, you know, 50 minutes long and then we just, we kind of just look at each other and we just make eye contact and we smile and we say, okay, you know that was good training right there, you know, and then that's it, you know, and we'll just stop, you know, we'll mutually just shake hands and say, okay, you know, that's, that's, that's about it. And then afterwards we'll spend 20, 30 minutes, you know, talking about everything that happened. Okay. Do you remember this transition here? Like you almost had me there and, you know, we have so much to talk about and learn from each other instead of doing that 10 minute roll and hardly anything happens you know, and I feel good and he feels good because nothing happened. You know what I mean? It's like, someone's got to make a mistake. I want to get tapped. I want him to, 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 to catch me. So then I realize, Oh, okay. 
this is what I did wrong. Thank you. You know what I mean? You helped me out with that, you know? And also it's the mental too. You know, if Shanji, he he tires me out, he passes my guard. Well, now I got to deal with that, you know, 30 minutes into it, I got to deal with that. You know, am I going to, you know, give up and make it easy for him to sub me? Or am I going to stay strong and try to defend and get out of this? And, you know, maybe he mounts me and, and, you know, and I got to survive that, you know what I mean? And, and then it's like, if I do and I am able to survive it, that's a victory for me. You know, it's like, I didn't give up. I didn't get submitted from the mount that time, you know? And, um, and maybe that wouldn't have happened if, if we didn't train for that long, you know? I mean, I, it probably wouldn't have. Yeah. Before you got injured, you had, um, a metamorphosis match scheduled with Yuri. Are you interested in picking that back up after your, I mean, your main focus right now is the world, but after, after that, are you interested in doing that one? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, any chance, any time that I could get on him, you know, be a part of a metamorphosis event, um, you know, I, I'm going to take advantage and try to be there. So hopefully, you know, the, the, the cards will work out right to where I'll be healthy at the right time and, I'll have a, you know, an opening on my schedule and Metamorris, you know, hopefully it'll work out right to where I can be back in Metamorris this year. Um, you know, obviously the match with Yuri, it was supposed to happen. We already had the countdown video for it and everything. So there's some, a little bit of like unfinished business feeling with that. And so, you know, I'd be down to do that, but if it didn't work out, if he had other things going on and, or it just didn't work out and, and it was someone else, I don't care. I would love to be on the Metamorphs card, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, this year is a big year cause there's ADCC. So, and it's, and it's a little earlier this year, it's in August. Um, so, you know, the worlds are in May, and at the end of May and then ADCC will be pretty much, I mean, I'm pretty much going to have to go right into ADCC camp, um, right after that to get ready for that in, in, in August. And I also want to fight again this, this year, um, like MMA. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to fight again. So, um, you know, pretty big things, worlds, ADCC, another MMA fight. Those are big things, um, going on. But, uh, if I can, if I can get on a Metamora show, I would love to be there. Now, transitioning from, like, you know, gi jiu-jitsu to, to the uh, Abu Dhabi competition. Ha, do you train at all with the gi for that, or do you you put it aside? Um, I I will. Like, I mean, I'll still teach classes in the gi, you know, like, yeah. obviously. Um, and, and so I'll – my focus is obviously, you know, always going to, like – be whatever i'm competing in so for adcc my focus is just the no gi and and you know all the wrestling and everything that i need to do to get ready for that but you know to have a certain level of balance and also like whenever i'm feeling broken down from that sort of training and i want to kind of mix it up or whatever mix it up a little bit or whatever um whenever i'll teach my gi classes i'll grab some of my guys and just do more like fun roles in the gi you know i actually did that at my mma camp um you know i still rolled in the gi at least once or twice a week um while i was in my mma camp and it felt great it was just more for almost the the uh kind of like a refresh the refreshingness of it i don't know if that makes sense you know going from something so physical and um 
intense as MMA MMA training or even ADCC training. ADCC is about as closest thing that you're going to get to MMA without actually throwing punches. You know, it's very, very physical. Guys are always getting hurt at ADCC and and that that training for that is is very hard because you have to train like for overtimes and you have to wrestle a lot and so um it's it's very physically grueling and so to balance that out i'll still put the gi on roll in the gi and keep that that technical mindset and and not just go 100 percent into the you know just scramble you know what i mean yeah so um yeah i i i pretty much have to have to roll in the gi you know at least once a week no matter what's going on that's good to hear. What, you're, you talked a little bit about your MMA uh, career. What, what are your goals with that? Um, well, you know, that's funny. I think maybe you might be one of the first people that really asked me about that since I've already had my fight, like post-fight. Yeah. And, um, and you know, before it was all about just the experience. You know, I've, I've pretty much grew up thinking that I was – you know, uh, at one point in time, I was going to really, you know, I was going to be an MMA fighter at some point in time, you know, and, and, um, I stayed in jujitsu, you know, a little longer than what I, uh, originally thought I would, um, just, you know, because, uh, it's, it's my passion. I love it so much and, and I wanted to do as much as I possibly could, you know, as, um, BJ, you know, he won the worlds and he, you know, he went right into MMA and I wanted to be kind of, um, you know, uh, someone from the U.S. that's consistently, you know, an American that's consistently um, in the in the you know in the top of the world. Yeah. That's what I really wanted, and so you know, I stayed in jujitsu longer than I thought, I, and I had my school. You know, I took over my my father's um, jujitsu school, so um, I just had a lot of things going on. But you know, I I, I was never not going to do it, and so I finally got to do it. I wanted to see, you know, how I enjoyed it, what I felt with the camp, and. And, you know, I just want to see what it's like. And I, I really, really, um, I really, really liked it. It was, it was a great, great experience. Um, it, was, it was pretty much the highlight of my year last year. Um, just the whole experience of it all and, and feeling like a white belt again and learning so much and then, and having like this, you know, having that kind of, uh, nervousness and that fear that I haven't had in jiu-jitsu for a long time because I've, been competing against the best guys for so many years you know you just yeah. you, you know you know what to expect and i and i'm always very confident out there and so it was you know a great experience for me to um have those nerves again and feel something new and i was just very very motivated and and i really enjoyed it i like mma you know is it do i love it as much as jiu-jitsu no but i do want to do more. I want to see, um, I want to just, you know, see how I can put it all together. You know, I, I, it's probably going to take me four or five, maybe six fights before I feel like, okay, I know what I'm capable of in the MMA world. You know what I mean? I just want to, I want to put my game together. You know, I want to, I'm a martial artist. I'm not just a jujitsu guy. I believe in being well-rounded. I love all martial arts. I love Muay Thai. I love wrestling. I love, I mean, I've competed in so many different uh, martial arts, like in so many different combat sports, you know, everything from boxing to Kali. You know, I, I did stick fighting when I was a kid. Um, 
you know, I, I jumped in Taekwondo events whenever I was a kid. I, I did Taekwondo tournaments. I did wrestling tournaments. I did Sambo tournaments to Jiu-Jitsu tournaments to Gi, No Gi, ADCC, Metamorris, now MMA. You know what I mean? So yeah. I just love to test myself and, and learn as much as I can from my experiences. And so, um, you know, I'm at a stage now where uh, getting tested in MMA is – is you know something that I'm I'm into, and so um, I'm going to fight again next year at least once, and uh, and then we'll see after that. You know, 2016. You know there won't be an ADCC, and I'll have already you know I've done another Worlds, and so maybe I'll switch it up and, and put a whole year into just doing um, two or three MMA fights in 2016. You know I, I'm I'm a little older, so I don't have that much time to like you know. Uh, go on a huge run and become UFC champion or anything like that. I just want to do enough to where I feel like, okay, I found my game as far as all martial arts. And I, you know, I, I just want to tap into that and, and see, uh, see what I'm capable of and maybe, maybe win a belt at, at some, um, smaller show. That's not the UFC. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you're, you're really wanting the experience, uh, and, and to just, to see what, what Rafael Lovato Jr. is going to do as as an MMA fighter, and, and how and in the process of finding that, in in the tr- in the training and the in yeah. just the, the martial arts in general. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I didn't know what to expect going into my first fight. I mean, I didn't know um, what I was going to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Of course, I, I train. I had a, a game plan. I knew what I wanted to do. But when you know when the when the cage door is locked and it's just you and that person, you know, it, you never know what's going to happen. And so I just wanted to see how it react and, and I'm anxious to, to tap into that more and, and really see what I'm capable of, um, in that, in that world. Cool. I'm looking forward to that too. I think, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy that we're not losing, uh, such an awesome jiu-jitsu athlete to MMA. That, that That's yeah. always disappointing to see that. And, and, you know, and there's, there's so many great, MMA athletes, it's hard to stand out in that world, but you're, you, I mean, you're such a standout in, in the world of jiu-jitsu. I don't, you know, it's, I'm happy you're staying, man. <laughs> yeah, I can never completely switch, you know. I, I think you're always going to see me doing something with the gi, you know, every year, whether I get older and I'm starting to do master stuff or, or whatever it is. Um, I'm never going to, never going to stop, 100%. Cool. I think we got kind of your, your good outlook on the way your year's headed. I saw some. Are you, are you making a book? Are you are you doing anything? Man, you know that has been a, a goal of mine for quite some time. Um, I, I I definitely will put out a book um, eventually. Um, I feel like I have so much to say, and I've been like kind of outlining it and making notes for it for several years already. Okay, and um, and so. It, it, it's going to be a big project, and I and I am really looking forward to doing it. Um, I, I for a second I thought, oh man, maybe maybe that's why I got hurt, you know, so I can put all my energy into a book. But um, you know, I, at this stage, like I I uh, I have so much, so many great opportunities and things going on right now. Um, you know, I, I I'll definitely need to really schedule that and and and. 
and give it the time and energy it deserves. Um, so it's hard to say when it'll be, yeah. when I'll have that done. I'm, I'm hoping that I can, I can put it out sometime in early 2016 is what I'm hoping. So I, I really want to like, um, put some good energy into it this year or work on it and get to a place where, um, maybe by the end of this, end of this year, early next year, um, before, like when I have some downtime again, I can, you know, finish it, uh, yeah. all the way. So, um, I, I, I'm really looking forward to doing that. I think I, I, you know, um, the experiences and things that I've, I've gone through and, and, you know, all the other things I've done, I feel like is to, you know, help me put out the best product possible. So there, there's also this other part of me that says, well, maybe I keep waiting cause I'm going to keep learning and I'm going to keep having more to say and share. Um, but, uh, I think, you know, within the next two years will be a really good time. Um, and I'm really excited to, to see, you know, the, the final product and cool. what I could do, but it would be unlike any other book that's out there right now. I can tell you that it wouldn't just be, you know, technical. It's not going to just be a bunch of pictures of techniques. Um, It'll be a lot more to it than that. Are, are you Gijisu, Nogi, both? Are we, are we getting like the story, some of your story with this? Or, or kind of describe what you're thinking about as far as – I know you haven't started actually writing it yet, but what would you be – I'll just say that it would be um, some somewhere between, you know, t- technical, just Gi, you know. Okay, good. Um, but also would be um, a lot of uh, – sharing of my experiences kind of like stories and and my thoughts and um you know almost like a inspirational also like a handbook almost to like a guide like a guide like what i think you know your uh, your journey should yeah. look like you know and um you know and just you know different things talking about competition you know how to mentally prepare for competition um you know what a what a a a competition training camp schedule would look like. You know how to train, how to how to you know how do you get as good as you possibly could be. You know it, it's a lot. It goes beyond just showing up to class. You know yeah. you have to you have to do a lot more than that. And so I would share and talk about different things like that, and and really just kind of share my story and and um, you know I, I just I have a lot of cool ideas and I'm. I'm looking forward to to doing that. I think that'll be um, a lot of fun. It'll be very introspective, and I get to learn a lot through that experience. and And I think I could make a uh, an amazing product. You know that that might be one of the you know most powerful things I do with my life. So that's that's my goal, and that's why I take it very serious. And I'm I'm still taking my time and figuring it out. And but I'm I'm hoping to 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 have it out there within the next couple of years. Sounds good. I think we're all going to look forward to that. How would somebody keep up with you and you find your podcast, find your website or Facebook or what's the best way? Okay. All right. Well, um, there's a lot of different ways to follow me. Um, as far as the podcast goes, people can check out the episodes of the Save Jiu-Jitsu podcast at podcast.savejujitsu.com and uh, check those out. Um, you know, I, I post a lot on social media. Um, you know, people can follow me on my fan page, uh, LovatoJuniorFans.com um, on Facebook. Uh, you're, you know, you can just search it on Facebook and uh, check out my page. 
Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Lovato Junior BJJ. My website is lovatojr.com. And uh, uh, let's see, am I forgetting anything? I think that's about it. If anyone's in Oklahoma or in the South and ever in the area wants to stop by and train, they can check out my school website at okbjj.com. Oh, yeah, and if anyone's ever interested in uh, checking out any of my videos, um, my instructional DVDs and stuff like that, they can go to lovatobjjvideos.com. Sounds great, and a lot of good ways to keep up with you. Um, I'll put links to everything on the on the show notes. All right. Cool. Well, awesome. it's, been, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks, Byron. Yep, I appreciate it. Take Have care, a good day. Man. Yep, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I want to say a big thank you to Rafael Lovato Jr. for giving us an interview and, and sharing what he has going on in his life uh, with us and you guys. So, Gary, we have some gi patches available. Uh, we're going to give these away for free. For free. For free. We'll give away a couple. Yeah. Um, the, the, the way to, to get one of these would be to go on the Facebook page, find this show that has Rafael Lovato Jr., and post you know my brick is and then what is your brick and what is a what is a bjj brick it's your favorite technique or one of your best techniques that you could really smash with yeah it's basically uh like we'd like to say when you when you're using your brick move the guy on the bottom just feels like he's getting smashed by a brick or the guy on your guard yeah it depends on the the position yep it's uh it's never fun to be smashed by that brick and but it's nice when uh you know when you're the guy when you're the bricklayer (laughs) <laughs> when you're the bricklayer and you're getting ready to uh, lay that brick, yep. smash that brick, that's a good time. So go on the Facebook page, find find where this show is posted. And the first two comments this week are going to get a – as long as you're in the United States. we Since we're giving away for free, we don't have yes, the access to postage. pay for postage. Yeah. But uh, uh, the first two people who comment will – Get a BJJ bricky patch. Yeah, just pr- put my brick is, and then whatever if it's a Kimura or triangle choke, yeah. whatever you got. Yeah. And we appreciate everybody who uh, posts on our Facebook page. Uh, one of the guys who posts a lot of times, uh, George Reese. So I want to give a shout out to him. Thank you for uh, for uh, liking our stuff and posting and sending us emails. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Uh, yeah, we do notice when people like it's like the same people every week is are liking the liking our show, and we love yeah. that. You know, yep. we really appreciate the support. You're part it's of the very brick family, part of the part of the brick the brick house. Yeah, <laughs> the brick layers. So uh, don't forget, guys. Depending on what, what today's date is, um, this interview is coming out January nineteenth. But it, you might be two years from now when you listen to it. I don't know. But if it's if you're you're in January. Uh, January 23rd is Submission Series 902 is our, our show from last week so definitely check it out if you're a few days late that's fine go look go find the videos online and, and enjoy the and enjoy the fights yeah definitely don't go to the Facebook page uh, type in Submission Series 902 like that page uh, a lot of great matches there next week we have Rafael Lovato Jr. giving our quote of the week so if you didn't get enough Rafael Lovato Jr. action this week You'll be able to get a little bit more on Monday. If you'd like to get a hold of me or Gary, uh, you can message us on Facebook or send us an email at bjjbrick at gmail.com. We'd be happy to hear from you. Any comments, support, questions. We we, we like interacting with you guys. It, it means a lot to us, and it's very encouraging. And if you happen to be traveling through the Midwest, uh, we're based in Wichita, Kansas. Send us an email. We'd love to train with you. It would be a great time, and uh, we'd love to learn from you. Absolutely. So here we go. We'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate your support. Stay sweaty, my friends.
thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs>